seated. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. We'll be looking at Mark, chapter 8, verses 11 through 21 this morning as we continue our series on the gospel of our servant Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The message today is simply entitled, A Dull Faith to a Discerning, Deepening Faith. A Dull Faith to a Deepening, Discerning Faith. So I ask you this morning, before we get into the text, what kind of faith do you have? First and foremost, do you have faith? Have you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins and trusted in Christ alone? Because if not, you're dead. You're dead in your trespasses and sins, and you need new life. You need Christ. And then for those of us that are in the faith, is our faith dull? Or is our faith continuing to deepen? Are we becoming more discerning, more understanding of the truths of our God? You know, that word dull can mean lacking in sharpness, like a dull knife or a dull axe. If you've ever tried to use a dull knife before, it doesn't work very well. But that word dull can also mean to be slow in perception. Slow in understanding, slow in discernment. And what we're going to see this morning is the disciples, even though they had spent two years with the Lord Jesus already, they were very dull in their faith. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 16, O ye of little faith, so they, they had faith in Christ but yet they were very slow in understanding who Christ was and what it really meant to follow him. And by the way, I think I speak on behalf of all of us. There's probably areas in our life where we're still a little dull in the faith. We need some sharpening. We need some exhortation. We need some growth just like the disciples needed. So my aim today, my challenge before me is for each of us to see our need to grow in our faith, that we would be sharpened by the Lord Jesus Christ today. So let's turn to Mark 8, 11 through 21, and let's read our passage together. Verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, and he said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them. He got into the boat again, and he went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. 
And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said unto them, Do you not yet understand? Let's pray together. God, apart from you, apart from your grace, there is no faith. Faith is a gift, God, of your grace. It's only by your grace that we're saved. It's only by your grace, God, that we're forgiven. It's only by your grace that we have eternal life. And so first and foremost, this morning, we want to praise you, Lord God Almighty, for who you are. And as Pastor Doug has already shared today, you are a God who saves, a God who rescues a people for yourself. And so, Father, if we are in the faith today, you get all the glory and we want to praise you and thank you. And and so, Father, I pray today as the gospel goes forth that if there are any underneath the sound of my voice that are still dead in sin, that today they would be made alive in Christ, that they would put their faith and trust Christ in you. And then, Father, for those of us that are in the faith, God, help us to grow in our understanding and our knowledge and our wisdom of God, how glorious you are, how majestic you are, and how desperately we need you in every area of our life. And it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen. So as we think about last week, we looked at verses 11 through 13. And if you remember the Pharisees, Jesus had come back to this part of the Sea of Galilee and they're immediately on Jesus, not because they wanted to follow him, not because they wanted to trust him, but because they wanted to test him. They wanted to prove that Jesus was wrong. These religious leaders, these scribes, these Jews, that they hated Jesus because he was a threat to their position, their power, their authority. And so instead of having saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, their hearts were hard. Their hearts were dead in their sin. They were self-righteous. They were arrogant and they were prideful and they were seeking after a sign. And we talked about how we don't need another sign from heaven. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in his word pertains to all that we need in life and godliness. Second Peter chapter one, we looked at that. And, and so the Pharisees basically reject Christ. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he leaves them in their sin and they begin to travel by boat to a different part of the Sea of Galilee. So look with me now at verse 14. So now this is Jesus and the disciples. They're there in the boat. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. So they're traveling over. It doesn't say in the context exactly where they were heading, but to this other uh, part of the Sea of Galilee. And they realized in our you know, hurrying, we forgot to bring bread. Now when it says a loaf of bread, don't think uh, wonder bread of all the different slices uh, of white bread, it would have been this small little round piece of bread. Think more like a modern day dinner roll. And if your house is anything like our house, whenever we have dinner rolls or something like that, it's always a battle 
you know, when you got nine people in the house of who's going to get this? How much? Oh, can I get another half? Can I get another fourth? But one little dinner roll would have been enough maybe for one disciple, but not for 12. They would not have had their bellies filled with one little round piece of bread. And so they were concerned about their appetite. You know, we don't know exactly when was the last time they had eaten, how hungry were they, but I, I think we can all appreciate, maybe not at this point in the morning, but if the service was later, there will come a time when you will be hungry. You know, physically we get hungry, and so these disciples were thinking about the physical reality of being hungry. Now look at verse 15. And he, Jesus, cautioned them, saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so Jesus, as the master teacher that he is, he uses this as a teaching opportunity. And so he begins to pour into the disciples. They're not really aware of what's about to happen, but he's teaching them, beware. You know, if, if Jesus tells us to beware or to watch out for something, guess what you should do? Be attentive. Be alert. Watch out. Like if I saw a snake right now over on the, the ground and I said, hey, beware, Wanda, watch out. She would need to pay attention. She would need to beware of the situation. And so Jesus, he's speaking to the disciples and he's telling them, watch out for the leaven of Herod and of the Pharisees. Look at their response in verse 16. They begin discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So that word leaven, you probably know is yeast. It's a bacteria that causes your know, bread to rise or dough to rise. And so the disciples, it's like shoo, shoo, right over their head. They, they don't even get that Jesus is exhorting them to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Instead, they're like, oh, Jesus, he's concerned that we don't have any bread to eat. That's not what Jesus is concerned about. But that's what they are focused on. The King James Version says they begin to reason amongst themselves in this discussion. I mean, they're discussing, well, we don't have any bread. We forgot to bring a bread. What are we going to do? Where are we going to get bread? I mean, we're heading to this place. Maybe it was a desolate place. Are we going to have something to eat there? And I mean, we don't know all the details, but there's this conversation that's going on amongst these 12 disciples about they don't have bread. You know, Pastor Doug, it's probably one of those moments where Jesus is like, they, they just don't get it because by the way if Jesus had just fed 5,000 and Jesus had just fed 4,000 what could Jesus have e easily have done with that one loaf of bread he could have multiplied it and fed them 10 times over if that was the point of the discussion they are dull in their understanding look at verse 17 look at what Jesus does Jesus, aware of this, because obviously he's God, he said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? And Jesus, another thing that you learn about Jesus in his interaction with people is he asked lots of questions. So you mentioned about Robert asking really good questions. Well, Jesus is like the master question asker. 
to get to the motive of the heart, to get to what is most important. And so he begins to question them. Why are you focused on the, the fact that you don't have physical bread? And look at what he does. There's seven more questions now there in verse 17 through 21. So we'll just kind of briefly go through these. The first one there, do you not yet perceive or understand? Are you not getting it? Are your hearts hardened? Are your hearts disciples like the Pharisees? Hard at heart? Verse 18. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? I mean, think about it. What had their eyes seen for the last two years? Jesus had healed the blind. Jesus had healed the deaf, the paralyzed. They had heard Jesus teach with authority in the synagogue. They had seen Jesus calm the raging storm, the sea. I mean, think about it, guys. All of this. And he's, he asked them, do you not remember? And then look what he does in verse 19. He takes them back to the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. When I broke the, uh, verse 19, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they were like, well, there were 12. So there were 12 baskets that were left over when he fed 5,000 men and then all the women and the children. So it would have been thousands upon thousands of people. And then he goes on, and that was, by the way, a Jewish audience. We talked about that before. And then verse 20, and the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And so when he had the seven loaves of bread and a few small fish, he had fed the 4,000 Gentiles. He's reminding them, wake up, by the way, I'm the bread of life. I'm God. I'm in control. I love you. I care for you. I'm the compassionate God. I will take care of every need that you have according to my glorious riches. That's our God. And so Jesus is exhorting them. He's lovingly reminding them. So I thought about this for us. What causes us to get focused on temporal things and not what's most important of spiritual things? Because let's be honest. Nobody has to speak out loud, but be honest in your own heart. Are we pretty dull sometimes? A financial need comes up and we're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, let's think back. Well, God provided six months ago this way. A year ago this way, five years ago this way, ten years ago this way. We get so wrapped up in the circumstance. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to fix it. And we don't even take the time to pray. God, thank you for this challenge that's before us, this circumstance. Help us to trust you. And what are you trying to teach us? And God, we want to see you work in a way that you're going to be glorified. And the whole world, the only thing they'll be able to say is this was God. Right? By the way, with the whole church building thing, the process that we're in, whatever that dollar amount is, can our God provide that? Amen? We can trust him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? We just need to continue to be faithful. Building his church. 
sharing the gospel, making disciples. So anyway, what are some things that can get us kind of focused on the temporal? Maybe we're like the disciples. They got focused on their appetites. Maybe we get too focused on our jobs. Maybe we get too focused on our hobbies. Maybe we get too focused on our home improvements. Are those things wrong in and of, in and of themselves? Are those bad things? They're really not. But if we get consumed and focused on those things, we can so easily forget the eternal things, the spiritual things. Maybe the things of the Lord just get so familiar with us that we forget the Lord himself. Maybe the disciples, they, they had just been with Jesus so much that they just got complacent. They got comfortable. For some of you here, you've been coming to church here for 10, 15 years. And if we're not careful, we just come on Sunday mornings. We try to find some shade because it's super hot out here. And we just get comfortable. We get complacent. By the way, one of the blessings, I think, of meeting outside, sometimes it's really hard to get comfortable. And that's a good thing. Constantly reminding us of our desperate need for Christ. There's no AC out here. Desperate need for Christ. Maybe we get so fo focused on serving, we forget the one that we are serving. We're so busy. We're going this way. We're going that way. We're doing this. That if you're not careful, I mentioned John 6, 35 earlier. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If you're not feasting on Christ and his word, you're going to burn out. Just like your car, you got to go to the gas tank. You got to go to the gas station and fill your gas tank, I should say, no matter how expensive it may be. If not, you run out of gas. We need to go to Christ. It's essential. Or guys, let's be honest. Maybe it's just simple disobedience to the things of the Lord. When was the last time we shared the gospel with someone? Pastor Doug, I appreciate your exhortation today. You could have preached longer on that because we needed to hear it. When was the last time you shared the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. Pastor Tom always reminds us, 10 out of 10 people are dying. And the only hope we have of eternal life, the only hope of forgiveness, the only hope of being saved from the wrath of God, the judgment upon our sin, the reality of hell, eternal torment and punishment is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the good news, but guys, it's not good news if we don't share it. When was the last time we invited someone to church? When was the last time you were a part of a connect group? When was the last time you had family worship? Like we could go on and on and on, right? For some of us, when was the last time you just sat down and read your Bible? Guys, we need to repent. I don't know everybody's heart. I know my heart. But whatever we need to repent of, go before the Lord and know that there's forgiveness and know that Christ will empower you and he'll change you and he'll transform you. That you can grow in your faith. Let's go back to verse 15. Back to the text. So Jesus says, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And I just shared with you 
the disciples, they were not getting it. They were focused on the wrong things. But Jesus doesn't leave them there. The leaven, what's he getting at? He's not talking about the physical yeast. But in the New Testament, leaven is typically seen as an evil, bad, corrupting influence. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And in the context of that passage, it's talking about the pride of that church. They were focused on themselves, that they were not dealing with sin in the life of their church. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump, that it was going to infect, infiltrate, and it was not a good thing. The word leaven also is used of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Luke 12, 1, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And we all know probably what hypocrisy is. They were giving an impression outwardly of certain purposes and goals where inwardly what they were striving for was completely different. Go to Matthew chapter 23. If you want to see where the Pharisees really were, read Matthew 23 on your own. But I want us to look at verses 27 and 28. Matthew 23, 27 and 28, Jesus pronounces seven different woes or judgments upon the Pharisees of their self-righteousness. 27 and 28, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within... You are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus calls them out. And if you read other parts of that chapter, they were self-indulging. They were all about self-pleasure. They were all about their greed. Their religion had become about themselves. Every Glaze Baptist church, we have to always be asking, is there anything in the life of our church that's becoming about us and not about God? That's leaven, and it'll infiltrate, it'll infect, and it'll take over and destroy the work of the Lord. The lawlessness of the Pharisees in Mark 7, you guys remember their false teaching? We don't have to turn back there, but Jesus called them out. They were more focused on the tradition of the elders, the tradition of men, than on the commandments of God. And for any local church, if we get caught up in traditions, man-made teachings, and not the word of God, it's leaven, it's corrupting, it's evil. Now, how about the leaven of Herod, the Herodians? So not just the Pharisees, but Jesus, if you remember when he was on trial uh, before Herod, before his crucifixion, and Herod just wanted Jesus to come so he could interview him. Why? So that Jesus could perform a sign for him. Herod just wanted something for himself. Like Jesus was some horse and pony show. A circus. And if we're not careful, Christianity can become like that. Of this health and wealth, this prosperity gospel. I sent out to the guys recently in the group me, Costi Hen, who came out of the health and wealth prosperity gospel. His uncle was Benny Hinn, and he was sharing how 
they would go on these crusades and they would spend literally $25,000 a night and a day on all this exorbitant stuff, taking money from people and using it in that way. If we're not careful, we can get caught up in materialism and prosperity and being comfortable in all of these things that Jesus is warning the disciples about. You know, the Herodians wouldn't come against the Romans in any way because they liked their comfort in the Roman culture. And so, by the way, Everglades Baptist Church, as America continues to drift and go further and further and further and further away from morality and the truth of God's word, will we compromise? Will we give in? Guys, it could get really, really costly. What if it was illegal to come out here on a Sunday morning and worship? Would you still come? Does Christ mean that much to you? That you would give your very life to spend time in the word and to worship him? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. Colossians 2, 6 through 8. Don't turn there, but Paul exhorts us to walk in truth, to walk in Christ, to be rooted in Christ, that Christ is sufficient. And then he warns us to not be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions. There are a lot of things out there in American culture right now. If you keep up with the news, it sounds okay. It sounds right. It may even sound loving. But if it's not according to the word of God, it is error. It's human philosophy. And churches are buying into it left and right. Careful. Beware. Remember what I told you, what Christ was doing on the front end. Watch out. Because ultimately, what was going to happen to all these disciples? What were they going to have to give to follow Jesus? They were going to have to give their lives. Jesus is trying to prepare them. Just like every Sunday when you come here, Jesus is preparing us to live out the gospel. Beware of hypocrisy, outward Christianity, the facade, doing ministry just to be seen. John Piper put it this way, Christianity is not about a cruise ship shared that with you before. It's about a warship. It's about a battleship. Guys, we're not on the carnival cruise ship. That's not what it's about. This is military. This is a battle. This is a spiritual war every single day. This is a war for the hearts and the minds of your little children. This is a war of the hearts and minds of our community. This is a war against Satan and sin. And the only way that we win is through Christ. It's the power of the gospel. Have you looked around lately? People are hurting. People are grieving. People are struggling. All of us here in some way, shape, or form are hurting and grieving and struggling. Because life is hard. And we need Christ. Christ alone is our only hope. He's our salvation. And speaking of hope, I want to leave you with hope this morning. Look back at Mark 8, 17 and 21. There's two little words in that those two verses that are really awesome. So let me get back there myself. You know, as you study the Bible, every word matters. 
We don't have time this morning to dissect every single word in this passage, but there's two little words in verse 17. You got the first question, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? And then look at what Jesus says. Do you not yet perceive or understand? There's two little words, not yet. Look at verse 21. Jesus goes on to say unto them, do you not yet understand? As of yet, the disciples didn't perceive or understand fully that Jesus was the Messiah. Not yet, they hadn't thought through all these things with careful insight and study. Not yet had they come to the point of insight and understanding. But those two little words, not yet, let us know. Pastor Jim, by the grace of God, by the power of the truth of Jesus, by Jesus loving on them and continuing to teach them and disciple them, you know what? They were going to get it. The light bulb was going to go off. And they were going to follow Jesus all of their days. Christian, what things in your life are doling you to the truth of God's word? Confess and repent. Raise your thinking from temporal things to eternal things. Are you in a funk this morning? Recall the faithfulness of God in your life. Make a list if you have to. Go home and make a list and just praise God for who he is and what he's done. John MacArthur said this, the Christian needs constant exposure to the word of God and constant illumination by the spirit of God. That's what these disciples needed. They needed Jesus to continue to come alongside them. They needed Jesus to love them. They needed Jesus to teach them. They needed Jesus to pray for them. And you know what Jesus was going to do? He was going to do all those things because they were his and nothing or no one was going to snatch them out of his hands. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. If your faith is dull and it's not as discerning as it needs to be, go to Christ. Go to Christ. He loves you. He cares for you. He gave his life for you. And he will help you no matter what you're going through. MacArthur went on to say this. Maturity in the faith is learning to live day by day in the light of God's word and in his faithful provision. Maturity in the faith is learning to live day by day in the light of God's word and his faithful provision. You can't live on last month. You can't live on last year. You can't live on some prayer 10 years ago. You have to live by faith in Christ alone right now, moment by moment, day by day. Reliance upon Christ and his word, his provision, his spirit. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He, he will never let you down. Chimo, I thought about old Peter. We've talked about Peter a lot. The foot and mouth disease. Open mouth and certain foot, right? Peter was always ready to jump and he had something to say. And a lot of times, let's just say he should have thought a little bit more before he said what he said. But in Mark chapter 8, verse 29, you know what, Jesus, what uh, Peter comes to say? Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're the Anointed One. John 6, 68. You know what Jesus had to say when a bunch of disciples were walking away? Excuse me, what Peter had to say about Jesus? Jesus, only you have the words of eternal life. Where else could we go? So even Peter, all of his flaws, all of his sin, all of his struggles, Christ sees him through to the very end. His perseverance was because of Christ. 
And I'm going to close with what Pastor Jim started us with this morning, 2 Peter 3.18. These would have been some of the last words of Peter, his letter there, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. He says, but grow in the grace, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, Peter, he knew he had to grow. He had to mature. He had to deepen. His faith had to become more discerning, and by the grace of God, it did. And then he goes on to say, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. You see, Peter was all about the glory of God. He was all about the furtherance of the gospel. Yes, he fell down, but by the grace of God, God got him up and he persevered to the very end to the point when Peter died, when he was crucified, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And he was crucified upside down, according to historians, to the day of eternity. So I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you this morning Till the day that we take our last breath, praise the Lord, live for the Lord, trust in the Lord, share the Lord. Because you know what's going to happen if you're in the faith this morning? That last breath we take on earth, the next breath in the celestial air of heaven, you know what you're going to be doing? Praising the Lord, seeking the Lord, trusting the Lord, glorifying the Lord. So if that's what we're going to do through all of eternity, let's do it now. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are worthy. You are worthy. God, my heart is so sinful. I surely in no way, shape, or form deserve to stand up here this morning. God, forgive me for my, my shortcomings, my lack of faith, my dullness. God, start with me. Sharpen me. God, lead me to repentance. God, lead me to confession of anything in my life that is still not right with you. And Christ, thank you that you forgive. Thank you that you change. And thank you that you love us through our mess, through our sin, our wickedness, our evilness. And God, not just me this morning. Do that in your people this morning. Bring us to an end of ourself. God, give us a deepening faith. Give us a discerning faith. Give us eyes to see, Christ, how amazing you are. Give us ears to hear. And then, Father, I do pray for any that are like the Pharisees this morning, still dead in their trespasses and sin. God, grant repentance and faith this morning. Grant newness of life. God, convict the heart right now. God, grab their hearts out of the grave. Bring them to you. Give them forgiveness. That today would be the day of salvation. That Christ, they would look to you and they would live and have eternal life. So Lord, now as we worship you through song, may we sing praises to how great you are. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and let's praise our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.